Hey everyone, this is Gospel Nate. Thank you once again for joining me. This is going to be episode 11. I'm calling this one, Returning to Your Vomit. So many times we will see Christians that will get freedom in a certain area of life, and then they'll return back to the sin that they came from, which is not healthy by any stretch of the imagination. Now, this is part of a series that I'm doing. It's a two-part series that I'm doing at the request of Lee Eddy, who was stepping out for the week to go take care of some business and asked me to fill in for him. So I ran the gamut and asked him for four weeks and he said, okay, so we'll have a couple of episodes that are not in necessarily in line with the walkthrough James that we've been doing. Having said that, in this podcast, we'll have the audio, but if you would like to see the illustrations that I've done for it, you can find those on my YouTube channel, Gospel Nate, and I'll include a link down in the description. So, without further ado, here is that teaching. Episode 11, Returning to Your Vomit. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, we thank you for your word. and Lord, that you have not abandoned us, but you will be with us through all that we deal with. And Lord, right now I'm dealing with your word. So give me the words to speak, the heart to speak them, and the wisdom to know how. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, fair disclaimer at the very beginning here, I am mean, I do not apologize. You can hate me later, or hate me as we go. Returning to sin, what happens to us when we go backwards? So, one of the questions that I had to start asking uh, a couple Bible studies ago was, what happens to the heart when we go back to things that we used to do. What happens to your soul was the following question, and why do we do it in the first place? And then you have to ask the next question, which is, what does all this look like? So we'll start off with the good, because I like to start on a high note. (laughs) We've been taught a lot of good, and we've been taught about freedom, And we've been taught about removing hardness of heart and dealing with the issues in our soul. Getting the spiritual stuff into our soul so that it can have an effect in our lives and in our flesh and thus not giving authority to the flesh. The bad is what is the consequences of turning back? What happens to your heart? What happens to your soul? And is there a physical response? What is... <laughs> what happens if we don't apply what we've learned? Now, because the story started running long, we're not going to talk about that until the next time I come back to teach. But we're going to start off in Second Peter 2, verses 12 through 19. Now, I'll give you all a second to flip there or take notes. Pray 
prior to this, Peter was talking about false teachers. Or in that section, I'm sorry. Peter's talking about false teachers, right? He's talking about their puffed up words. The, the lies that they're telling others. How they love attention. How they lead others off into sin by their words. And shows what happens to those who are led off by false teachers. The end thereof is happens in uh, verse 20, so 2 Peter 2, 20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Now, one of the key words we need to pay attention to is pollution. The Greek word is miasma. It is a highly unpleasant or unhealthy smell or vapor. It's very similar to that cloud that Lee was talking about in some of his other teachings, where you're walking around, you see this cloud, you come into contact with it, and it just sticks to you. And then you're walking around, you see another cloud, and you come into contact with it, and that one sticks to you. Now, these clouds don't necessarily affect each other and change how things appear, but you can see that they're tangled up with each other, okay? So we're right back to the entanglement. So similar to a cloud, it's a cloud of defilement. And that word knowledge is epigenosis. They came to know him by revelation knowledge. All right, this is referring to Christians. I did that completely out of order. Right, but this is referring to Christians. <laughs> Those who were saved by faith into Jesus Christ. We're going to need a little bit of context here, so we'll be backing up to something that Jesus said earlier on. Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall be with this wicked generation. And this is about a Christian going back into sin. In every single case, the second state is worse than it was the first time that they were in it and got out of it. Whether this is because of an unclean spirit or because of deepening hardness of heart. Let's get back to our passage. We're going to be in 2 Peter 2, 21 through 22. For it would have been better for them to not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them but it, ha but it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a, and a sow, having washed, to wallow in the mire. Now, two words there for known are, once again, epigonosco. This is the act of knowing. It's not just something that's been revealed, but you actively know a thing. To thoroughly know through revelation. 
Now, delivered is a Greek word, parodidomai, and it means to come alongside and give. So, this is clearly stating that it was given to them by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had come alongside them into their very presence and into their being, had given them this understanding, these are Christians, just in case anyone has any doubts. So, our understanding so far is that we can go backwards. The goal is to move forward, but we can go backwards. It's not off limits to us. And we choose it. Nobody puts us in that position. We put ourselves in that position. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation knowledge on how to live what we've been given. And going back is always worse. Jesus and Paul point out the differences, point this out with differences. So what goes on in the heart and what goes on in the soul? And how does that affect your mind? Let's take a deeper look. What we've seen so far, I'm blatantly going to use Lee's illustration here. Fair disclaimer, and I warned him in advance. Because <laughs> we need to have a baseline of where we're going, where we've been, I should say, to know where we're going. So hang on tight. Here we go. Here we have a Christian, right? So let me get my little laser pointer up here. We got the Holy Spirit over here. We got a regenerated spirit in here. Jesus Christ is the reason for that regenerated spirit. Coming into us, he then brings the Holy Spirit with him. Our mind, will, and emotion. And go on with our chooser. We can choose the flesh, which then brings on death which comes back to bite us. Every time. It will bite <laughs> us every time. Okay, so we have our heart right there. And these are where the attributes of God are, but we're not going to touch that right at this moment. But we do need to understand that our heart is the medium through which all the things of the Spirit travels through into our soul. Over our heart, we have our wounds and our choices. And those wounds and choices keep the things of the Spirit from getting into our soul. Blocks it dead. It also keeps us from seeing who we are in our spirit. So that we don't know how to act or how to respond to the things that are going on around us and in our lives. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the kidneys, but we do know that if they're not functional, there's not a whole lot holding back your sin and going in through your body, but it does affect your soul. And what's happening in your soul will affect your body, right? So you end up with the sickness, the disease, the mental dysfunction, uh, things like Asperger's, things like ADHD and ADD, stuff that I've dealt with. But then we move on to a Christian who chooses the things of the Spirit. This brings life, and it also restores function to the kidneys. I'm just rolling over that really fast because it's there. You know, I don't want people to think I'm just skipping over stuff. Along with that, we have <laughs> a sort of functional filtering of sin, something that helps to keep that at bay. And it does start to allow more things of the Spirit to come into our soul and thus affect our body. We end up with health, healing, wholeness, good knees, no bad back, 
and there's our comparison to see that, okay, so we had sin, we have sin in our spirit, or I'm sorry, that did not come out of my mouth. We have <laughs> sin in our soul, <laughs> the other S word. We have sin in our body, and it affects us in both areas, but we also have salvation and righteousness affecting us in both areas as well. So it's not all bad. That's the good news. So let's focus on the bad. Because Leo always focuses on the good, so I figure I might as well bring up some bad stuff here. <laughs> Again, fair warning, I mean. And I do not apologize for this. You can hate me later. So you had a problem. You took it to Jesus. You broke the covenant and dealt with it. And you took it off. You asked Jesus to forgive you. You liked the thing that caused the problem that's the issue you did all the stuff to take it off but you still liked it for some reason there is something about it that drew your curiosity back to it so even though you've killed it and now you have freedom you went back so what happened somewhere along the lines you believed a lie you thought it was okay to go back to it. That you could just dabble in it a little bit. It's okay. I'm, I'm just going to touch the sulfuric acid. I'm just going to put my, my, my big toe in the pool of lava. It's okay. It's not going to hurt me. It's just a quick little touch. Right? You believed you could handle it. You missed the perceived benefit that you got from it. Now, I know guys who have been there. They got freedom from things like pornography, and they went back into it because they still valued it. They still saw something there that was good. This causes a lot of problems because they missed the comfort that it brought them in this season of life that they were in. Even though that comfort was temporary, it was fleeting, and it really didn't bring them any benefits. All it brought them was condemnation and shame. Or maybe someone else talked you to go back into it. You know, maybe somebody you used to hang out with, they, they were your friends, you used to go out drinking, you used to do the party scene, maybe it was drugs, maybe you guys did other nasty stuff together. Video some of them, yes. Definitely some of them, yes. And then you got out of it. And your life started getting better. And then you started hanging out with this friend. And this friend decided, well, I don't want the stuff that you have, but I want you to want the stuff that I have. I don't like this life thing that you're doing because it's not fun. And it smells like death to my death, so my death doesn't want your death. It wants my death death, not your life death. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. <laughs> So yeah, you have the friends that do the thing and you were influenced. The bottom line is you believed that it wouldn't trap you again. So what does this all mean for you? Surprise, surprise, you got trapped in sin again. Because sin, 100% of the time, will trap you if you do not have a right response. And that doesn't mean a right response 10 times down the road, because at that point you're already entrapped. It's a right response immediately. You stumble, you fall, 
immediately you get up, you turn around, you go back to the Father. Father, I have sinned. Please forgive me. Show me how to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Show me how to walk in that righteousness. It requires humility. I'm not going to lie. Because nobody wants to get up in the middle of their sin and say, Well, Lord, here I am. Uh, I know you don't know, but... Because we're lying to ourselves. He already knows. He saw it when it was happening. He saw it coming before you did. <laughs> so it's not like you've taken him by surprise. It just requires humility on your end. He already loves you and he's standing there waiting for you to come back. But at any rate, that lie you believed or, or someone told you was just that, a lie. The previous slides showed the hardness of heart being removed. They show the things of the spirit making their way into your soul. This in turn affects the whole body. It actually creates things like healing. I used to have bad knees. I do not have bad knees anymore. I used to have a bad back with a herniated disc. I do not have a bad back with a herniated disc. I used to have PTSD. I do not have PTSD anymore. These are things that I've actually dealt with in my own life. So I know this stuff works <laughs> from experience. But the reverse of all of this stuff can also be true. So this is your heart. Very blocky. I drew this one for men because men are very box-minded. Everything goes in a box and nothing touches. <laughs> it's our lie. We can believe it. <laughs> okay. So around your heart, you have the hardness that we spoke of earlier. Then, all of a sudden, you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he starts talking to you about the things in your heart that need to be dealt with. So, you go to him. You break your covenants with sin. You take off the things that have been killing you. You put them to death, and you start walking in righteousness. That results in all these little spots around your heart clearing up and allowing things to function. So, just for reference sake, the black spots are hardness. The red spots are where issues have been dealt with. There's your spirit. See, it's very nice, clean blue. That's where the Holy Spirit's sitting, right inside of you. Now, anywhere that you have dealt with the issues is where the things of the Spirit can move out from your heart and into your soul. Basically, anything outside of the heart box is your, whole, uh, your soul. But then along comes... <laughs> <laughs> Temptation, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you used to smoke and you dealt with that issue. And let's just say for chuckles, this right here. Uh, what's it doing to me? Stop that. There we go. Let's just say this section right here was the area of cigarettes. And you dealt with it, and it was gone, and now the things of the Spirit are moving through there, and it's affecting you so that you don't stress out. Your cigarettes don't need to be there because you now have the Spirit of Peace giving you peace when you're stressed out. Well, your friend comes along and says, Hey man, want to go smoke with me? No, no, it's okay, I quit. Yeah, but man, it's been a really stressful day. I feel like you can use a smoke. 
And the truth is, your friend just doesn't want to smoke alone. Okay, because they know it's not good for them, but they don't want to do it by themselves. And if somebody who's a quote-unquote good person smokes with them, it's now okay, right? So they sit there and spend all this time convincing you that, you know, the smoking is it's really going to help you out with today. You, re- you look really stressed, and eventually you give in, and now this sin, colored in purple because it looks really attractive now, <laughs> <laughs> is a lie that you've believed. And what happens is that thing jumps right in and plugs up that area of freedom you just gained. Nothing's getting in or out. And as long as that section remains looking purple and pretty and attractive, you're not going to deal with it. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's so nice. It's so relaxing when I take a drag off that cigarette. I don't get that at all. I'm just saying. (laughs) Makes no sense to me. But how about something else? Let's say your friend that you used to watch porn with shows up and they want somebody to watch porn with again so that they feel okay about this, right? So they start talking about all the fun you used to have and all the, the hot chicks and all the different stuff that you were able to watch and talk about and the jokes you used to have and all of a sudden you start believing them and it's like oh well you know wasn't that bad was it or maybe it's a different scenario where you've been free you haven't been walking in the porn you now have life going from your let's make sure this is on nope it's not there we go you have life going from your spirit or from your spirit through your heart and into your soul But then you remember that time, that one video you watched, that time you had that seemed like it was really fun and stress relieving and you're stressed and you decide, I'm going to try it again, just once, just this once. And then you don't turn around from it and you do it again. Now we have a way, we have a saying in our group that the first looks on God Second look is on you. First look is on God because as soon as you see it, you have the opportunity to take that thought and that image captive, bring it before Christ and say, Lord, what do you see here and what do you want me to understand about this? But if you go back and look again, that one's on you. Because you've chosen it. It's not something you saw by accident now. It's a choice. And eventually that choice plugs up your spirit and blocks it from having any impact in your soul. For those who don't know, and probably everybody does at this point, when you engage in pornography, it affects your emotions. It drains you of your capacity to relate with anyone around you. It drains you of your capacity to have joy, happiness, and simple satisfaction in things like a setting sun. What it does leave you with is this overriding anger that just floods every aspect of your life on a continual basis. Tiny little insignificant events set you off without a moment's notice. There's no buildup. It's just an automatic, I'm angry. And you're angry because you can't relate. 
you're trapped and you have all these thoughts boiling around in your head, but you can't get them out. Now, early on in my relationship with my wife, I had this issue. She would ask me what I was thinking or what I was feeling on something, and I would sit there and stare at the floor for a solid hour with all these thoughts boiling around in my head, and I couldn't get them out. I couldn't verbalize them, and that would make me angry. And then I was angry because I was watching porn, and then I was angry because I couldn't verbalize because I didn't have the emotions to get it out, and that just made more anger, and it's just this continual building of anger and resentment and shame. And the anger builds to the point where, in my case, eventually I would just get up and leave and not say much. And then she'd be sitting there thinking that I was upset with her. It's like, no, I was upset with me. But I couldn't even verbalize that, so she was just left there in the dark. So, that porn that has now taken over my, my soul in that spot blocked the things of the Spirit from getting through and giving life will always stay there until such a time as I realize that it has no value, that it is not pretty. But here's the big issue. Every time you go back to a sin or an issue that you took off, be it depression, ADAD, or ADHD, uh, the pornography, the cigarettes, you've bought into a lie that it was good and you now believe a lie that there is no such thing as freedom. Because if there was, why did you go back to it? Most people don't stop and say, well, I had a choice in this and I can now choose to get out of it because I chose to put it back on. They just say, the freedom's not real because if it was, I wouldn't be back in this. I wouldn't have the desire to go back to it. So obviously freedom doesn't work and this is my issue now and I have it for the rest of my life. Thereby making your second state worse than the first state. You had the problem, took the problem off, chose the problem again, and now you believe there's no, fr no freedom. And most times when you go back, it's not just as if you'd never stopped, it's twice as bad and continues down a faster path to where it was headed originally. So the damage. The hardness of the heart sets in because we chose it. The lies allow us to stay there, believing that we can't have the freedom. We believe that there's a benefit from what we're gaining or what we're doing. Or worse, we believe that freedom doesn't work. The belief that freedom cannot be had by you or by anyone, that it's all just a lie and that we're all just victims of our flesh. And this hardens the heart worse than it was before making it like a scar. Now understanding of a scar tissue for anyone that has a scar is that that tissue tends to be not just thicker, but it's tougher to cut and has less sensation. I've got a scar on my side of my finger here where I chopped it off with a machete. Now I do have some sensation there, 
but it is nowhere near as much sensation as I have on all the other fingers in the same exact spot. That piece of skin is thicker and less sensitive. I can't feel as much. Same thing happens with your heart. So you've gone back, you've chosen the sin, created the hardness of heart, created a scar tissue for all intents and purposes, and now you can feel less. But it gets worse. Because <laughs> I'm going to be gross now, and you're welcome. Here's what this looks like. Genesis 17, 11 through 12. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. Circumcision served two purposes in the Old Testament. It was an outward sign of covenant between man and God, showing that you were different. It also removed defilement because that foreskin would often hold defilement and disease if it wasn't cleaned properly on a regular basis. Lost one of my notes. But here's what Jesus did. Romans 2, 28 through 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. See, Jesus gave us circumcision of our heart. It removed the inward defilement, the inward sin. He then wrote the commandments on our hearts, that we would be able to keep them through his strength, his power, and his spirit. So, what are the similarities? Defilement's been removed, and covenant has been made. What happens after surgery is the scars that we get, right? You go, go in for a C-section, you end up with that scar, you have a broken bone that's sticking out your arm, you have the bone put back in, set and stitched up, and leaves a scar. You get bit by a shark, and it hopefully leaves your leg there, and you have a scar. <laughs> So, what happens, or I should say, what would happen in the Old Testament if a, if a Hebrew man were to have circumcision, then go back, take his foreskin, and stitch it back on? Not only would it cause scarring, but because it's already defiled to begin with, and then it starts to rot and decay it creates an infection that will eventually cause death because that infection got into the blood where his life was and now it's his death there is good news i'm not going to leave everyone here on a on a downer <laughs> your father does not give up Amen. psalms 103 8 through 10 the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. 
the really cool part about this verse is that in verse, uh, in verse 9, it says, He will not always strive with us, nor keep his anger forever. If you go into the Hebrew and really study it out, it's a little deeper than that. It's the idea of he has already reckoned and determined a point in time beyond your ability to understand to wrestle with you on an issue until either success has happened or death has happened. He doesn't give up. I absolutely love that. To quote Lee, that would have been a great place for an amen. <laughs> amen. Joel 2, 13. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord for God. Sorry, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Meaning he's not going to blast you right out of the starting gate. You trip and fall, he's there to help you back up. Amen. But you have to actually get back up. It's not good enough to say, face down in the mud where you can't understand what you're saying, Lord, I'm sorry for what happened. I don't want to get this. <laughs> That's called wallowing in your own sorrow. Second Peter two, uh, 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. Repentance is not just for those who are not saved. Repentance is for us as well. Yes. Because we need it. <laughs> right crowd came. <laughs> and that is all I've got. 30 minutes. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, actually, uh, Kathleen has a song. First, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that you have not given up on us. And Lord, that as long as we draw breath, there is hope. We just give you the praise for your word, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.